Sometimes going to the grocery store can be chaotic. There doesn't seem to be enough time to check the list, make sure everything is there, search for the best prices, and take the time to make sure you get the best quality meat. So let ButcherBox help you out. Giving you peace of mind, ButcherBox delivers high-quality meat and seafood that you can trust straight to your door. No grocery carts required. Humanely raised, no antibiotics or hormones, 100% grass-fed, free-range, and crate-free, what more can you ask for? What about free shipping, customized box plans, exclusive member deals, recipe inspirations, tips, and tricks? You really can't go wrong with ButcherBox. Sign up at butcherbox.com slash morning cup and get our special deal. ButcherBox is offering our listeners a free for a year offer plus an additional $20 off. Choose salmon, chicken breasts, or steak tips free in every order for a year. Sign up today at butcherbox.com slash morning cup and use code morning cup to choose your free for a year offer plus get $20 off your first order. There were two more murders 15 miles away. When police arrived, they found the telephones and electricity lines. We have a weird homicide. A scene described by one investigator as reminiscent of a weird religious life. Custody battles can turn really ugly really fast. On November 30th, 1997, a long, vicious custody battle over four children ended in an unexpected and heartbreaking way. So if you like your coffee hot, but your bones chilled, sit back and start your day with a morning cup of murder. Daryl Keith Holton, born November 23, 1961, married Crystal Holton in 1984. Together, the U.S. Army man and his wife were stationed in Germany and began their family while there. Eventually, Daryl and Crystal and their two sons, Stephen and Brent, before Daryl volunteered service in Saudi Arabia while his family stayed in the U.S. Something happened with his paychecks while deployed, and Crystal began struggling to keep the financials balanced. These issues weren't helped by her constant partying, and the children found themselves being left on frequent overnight trips so their mother could go out to dance halls. Eventually, it became such an issue that Children's Services was called and greeted Crystal when she came home from a night out. She was allowed to maintain custody, but willingly placed them in the care of Daryl's father in Tennessee while she stayed with a friend in Georgia. Imagine being overseas while your family imploded on itself at the hands of the woman you loved. He obtained emergency leave, but after returning home and realizing the marriage was beyond saving, returned to the Middle East and left his children with his father until he could officially return in 1992. I need to note here that at some point in 1991, the couple had a third son, a boy named Eric, but I'm unsure where his birth lies in the timeline of events. Now back in the U.S., he obtained a divorce on the grounds of desertion and got full custody of his boys, obtained an honorable discharge, and officially moved to Tennessee to get help with his kids. Crystal only saw her children a few times a month. Then, in 1993, she got pregnant after a one-night stand and turned to Daryl for help. He accepted the little girl, a girl named Kayla, as his own and moved back in with Crystal. They remarried two years later. While this should seem like a beautiful story of true love finding a way back together, it soured pretty quickly when Crystal's heavy drinking became an issue of violence. 
She eventually moved out of the apartment they shared and went to a shelter with the children before moving into public housing in Murfreesboro, Tennessee. She did all of this without Daryl knowing where they were. When he finally did find them, he visited his children daily before the court officially awarded him weekend visitation. Their custody situation was, to say the least, not an amicable one. Daryl hated where his children were now living. He found the area unsafe and the place itself less than ideal as far as hygiene. He believed this so strongly that one day in 1995, he refused to let the kids out of the car after one of his weekend visitations. He told Crystal that if she wanted to see them, she had to get inside. She said she did not see any weapons, but got the impression that he was armed and was threatening her. When she refused to get in the car, he drove off saying she was going to regret her decision. She called the police and hearing the call on the scanner, Daryl drove to the station and surrendered the children. After this incident, Daryl frequently threatened his ex that she would pay for taking his children away from him. Then in 1997, Crystal made a decision that would unknowingly set off the man she once loved and have deadly consequences. That is the year she obtained an order of protection from Daryl and moved to a new address, all without informing him. He did not see his children until November 30th, 1997. A visit prompted by a call on Thanksgiving where Daryl told Crystal that he missed the children and desperately wanted to see them. Crystal reluctantly agreed and the pair made arrangements to meet that Sunday at around 3 p.m. and return them by 9.30 that night. The kids were incredibly excited to see their father, drawing pictures and anxiously awaiting for him to pull up in the Walmart parking lot. When he did, they ran to his car and jumped into his arms. He hugged his children back, but Crystal would later say that his face looked detached and numb. She had no idea that, as he loaded them into his car and pulled away, it would be the last time she saw her children alive. Daryl took the kids to a McDonald's for dinner and to an amusement park or arcade, depending on the source, before driving them to his uncle's garage, all while exchanging I love yous and I missed yous. He left the younger two, Eric and Kayla, in the front bay of the garage playing with some tools while he took Stephen and Brent to the rear of the building, telling them he had something to give them. He told them to stand side by side facing away from him and close their eyes to wait for their surprise. Once their eyelids shut, Daryl walked to the place where he had previously hidden a SKS rifle, told them not to peek, and aimed it for their hearts. He shot 12-year-old Stephen and 10-year-old Brent, covered them with a tarp, retrieved 6-year-old Eric and 4-year-old Kayla using the same ruse, placed their hands over their eyes, and shot them. About an hour and a half later, walked into the Shelbyville Police Department and turned himself in. When asked why he did it, he said, Family should stay together. A father should be with his children. He also admitted that the next phase of his plan was to kill Crystal and then himself, but ultimately changed his mind. Officers went to the garage and found the bodies of the four small children, along with pipe bombs that were intended for his ex-wife. Daryl's trial began in June of 1999. He declined to testify, but his attorney worked to compel the jury that his client was mentally incompetent at the time of the murders. Psychiatrists for the state and defense testified that Daryl had major depressive disorder and passive-aggressive personality disorder at the time of the murders, but ultimately, the jury rejected the insanity defense and found him guilty. 
he was sentenced to death. While awaiting his execution, Daryl became an amateur legal expert and worked hard to ignore his automatic and voluntary appeals, declining to cooperate with federal or state-appointed defenders, making him what officials refer to as a death row volunteer. Daryl Holton, on September 12, 2007, got his wish and chose the electric chair over lethal injection. When asked what his final words were, he responded, two words, I do. With the flip of the switch, Daryl Holton became the first American put to death by electrocution since 1960 in the state of Tennessee. Thank you for joining me in my morning cup of murder. Please join me again tomorrow to hear what terrible thing happened on November 31st. Don't forget to rate and subscribe and let me know how you like it. If you want to help support the podcast, there's always Patreon or just sharing it with your true crime obsessed friends. And remember, stay safe. Thank you for listening to Morning Cup of Murder. This daily true crime podcast can be found on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook by searching Morning Cup of Murder. I'd love it if you stopped by and said hi. Stay safe.